Hey, welcome to the Revo Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us today, wherever you are. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's message. Um, I, uh, I really want to talk about something today that I truly believe that every single one of us um, are dealing with currently or you have dealt with in the past, maybe you are kind of coming out of what I'm about to talk about, or maybe you are going into what I'm about to talk about, or maybe you're just already in it. And, uh, and what I want to talk about today is really just kind of finding that peace of mind. Come on, how many of y'all could just have a peace of mind? If you're taking notes, uh, if you're taking notes, I've titled today's message, and it's called Beating Burnout. Beating Burnout. Some of you may be uh, new to this word, maybe a little bit unfamiliar with what this word is, and I'm going to kind of teach on it a little bit today because I truly believe that this word will affect us if we don't treat it. How many of y'all feel like you're just on edge? Kind of just feel like you're on edge sometimes, all the time. Just like, I'm just, I just live on edge. Come on. Feel like little, you know, uh, living on the edge, little Aerosmith out there, you know? Feel like you can't take much more. It's just this weight that is just sitting on your chest. It's like an elephant just sitting on top of you. You know, about 10 years ago, I actually found myself in a position where I was a little bit unfamiliar with. I mean, like I said, I'm an extrovert, and so the more to me, the merrier. I love people. When I get down, I want to be around people because people actually give me energy. It gives me life. It gives me peace of mind. And you're probably in your seat thinking like, you're absolutely crazy. Check, I am. But it it, it fuels me. And I know some of you in this room are more introverts. And so when you're around a group of people like this, you're like, yo, I've got to check out for several days, maybe even a week. Like my wife is very similar to that. She is more of an introvert. I've classified her as an introvert extrovert because she can function with people. But when she's around a lot of people, she has to escape for a little while to kind of build back up. And so I found myself in this season of life where it was unfamiliar. It was an unfamiliar territory. I felt a little odd. I felt a little off. I didn't know what was actually going on. I had never felt this way before, so it was very new to me. I was working and I was doing actually everything that I love to do. I was literally in ministry and I love ministry. I love what I get to do by helping people. And I'm I'm loving what I'm doing and I'm in this life and everything is great. And then all of a sudden, everything is not. I had all the friends in the world, but at this time in my life, I felt like I had no one. I had all the people around me, but at this time in my life, I felt like I was all alone. I was very lonely. I was very secluded introvertly. Is that right? Internally. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. See you next trip. And here I am. I've got all of these things around me. I felt lonely. I felt confused. I felt empty. I felt like nobody cared about me, but yet... I had all the people in the world that did care. I just couldn't see it. And I had hit this wall. I had hit this place in my life to where I just really couldn't move past it. I was was stuck. I was in this place and I was stuck. And I don't know why it was this way or even why I do this, but this is just who I am. But it just seemed like every year, every month, every week, every day, I was adding more to my plate. 
I don't know about you, but for me, I actually function better. I can make better decisions. I think a little bit clearer the more that I have on me. So the more stress I'm in, actually I work better. It's very weird, very awkward, but that's just how I function. And so I'm adding to my plate, I'm adding to my life, I'm adding all of these things until one day I finally said it's too much. I didn't know what was going on. I was confused, I was, I was hurting, I was lonely. I, I had all of these things happening and I finally said, man, I, I've had too much, I need to get some help. I had gone to the doctor and as I'm with this doctor, they're taking these blood tests and all these panels and all of these different things and they actually diagnosed me with severe burnout. Never even heard of that word before. I didn't even know what burnout was. I just thought, hey, we're rolling. We're getting to it. We're getting it done. The more the merrier. I'm just going to go, 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 go. Until I hit a wall and I cracked. And the doctor diagnosed me with severe burnout. Let me ask you this question this morning. Do you ever feel like you're about to crumble? Do you ever feel like you're in this seat and you're in this room this morning and you're literally, you're about to crumble? Do you feel like you're about to break? I I can't handle it anymore. I, I, I don't really know. I just can't. I can't take it any longer. Can I tell you that you're not alone? Can I tell you that if you're sitting in this seat today, you're not alone? If you're sitting in this seat today and you feel that way, you're not alone. You don't have to walk around feeling like there is something wrong with me, feeling like I just, I got to kind of keep everything hidden. Can I tell you today that you're not alone? That in 2021, there was actually a survey that was done of U.S. workers across the country And they found that more than half of the workers, more than half of the workers they did this survey with, feel burned out as a result of their job demands. Can I say that that survey was just based off of job demands? Just based off of what you have to do at your job. But everywhere we turn, every direction we look in, everything that we communicate, every individual that we communicate, We can kind of have this common theme across the board that everywhere we turn, people feel overwhelmed, people feel stressed, people feel on the edge of burnout. But here's the thing that we have to understand. Burnout isn't just a result of working long hours. It's a combination of mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion. See, burnout generally reflects the inability to balance competing demands. It it, it generally reflects the inability to balance competing demands such as social pressure. Getting up in the morning, feeling like, man, I have to compete with everybody else. I have to kind of level up to everybody else. Social pressure. Man, I don't have that many followers on social media, so let me just kind of try to one-up everybody. Man, my my, my marriage isn't looking this way based off of who I see. So there's this social pressure where I have to fit in this mold. I have to act a certain way. I have to do a certain thing. I kind of have to walk this way. It's a social pressure. It's financial pressure. It's waking up every single day realizing, man, I don't know if I have enough money to finish the month. 
It's a financial pressure. It's, it's kids acting out, just going rogue. It's, it's aging parents thinking, man, I'm not sure how I'm going to take care of my mom or dad. I don't want to put them in a nursing home, but I can't really take care of them myself. It's this aging parents, the social pressure. It's our health. Stress at work, it's guilt, it's shame. It's all of these things that you and I carry. We carry this stuff. And I'm not sure why it is this way, why society has actually kind of treated people this way. But you know, if you were to go out and you were to kind of do something crazy like break an arm or break a leg or kind of whatever, you would break something, people would look at you and be like, oh man, how can I take care of you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? Can I sign your cast? Listen, if we break something, we're going to come up with a cool story like, yeah, I was on vacation in Costa Rica. I was hiking down this trail and then all of a sudden this monkey came out of nowhere, slapped me upside the head and then threw me off the cliff. You know, you got to make up a story. Whoa, that's so cool. I know, I lie. But, but society has said, man, if you break something, it's cool, it's okay. But if there's something going on mentally, if I have a mental breakdown, it's not okay. That if I have actually, if I have a mental breakdown, society has actually put this stigma on you saying, man, there's, there's some weirdness going on. Something's really wrong with them. We need to kind of, kind of like shun them a little bit. Let's not talk about it. Let's not bring it up. It's a little awkward for me. I don't want to communicate this stuff. And so we begin to kind of, kind of move away from individuals that have a mental breakdown. Why do we do that? Why, why, do we, why do we kind of put this stigma on top of people that have a mental disability? Why, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just there's things that aren't firing correctly. That's like me going to you and saying that, oh, you wear glasses. And because you wear glasses, I'm going to make fun of you. No, it, it has nothing to do with that. It means that I'm wearing glasses because somewhere in my eyesight, there is a nerve that is not firing right. So it is affecting my vision. The same with mental, uh, a mental uh, a kind of thing that is going on in your mind. There is a nerve that is not firing right. And so therefore you are thinking certain ways. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you at all. It just means that we have to get help. Can, can I say that again? We have to get help. Here's a lot of the problem sometimes is Christians will actually look at someone that is depressed or going through things. And if we're not careful, we can begin to go to that individual and we can begin to say, oh, you're just stressed out. It's going to be all right. You're just, you're just going through a lot. It's going to be all right. Just, just pray more or just, just bring it to God. And the person that is stressed and going through things, they're looking at you and like, yo, I'm about to bring you to God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Say that one more time. We, we got to be careful. I understand what we're trying to say. Pray and bring it to God. Yes, that's our first response. But, but here's the reality is sometimes we just need help. My voice cracked. We need help. So what's the difference between stress and burnout? What's the difference between the two? 
Stress is generally short-lived and related to a temporary project or event, such as a presentation you have to give or a test you have to take, a problem you have to solve, a new job, or maybe you're having to move and you had to kind of orchestrate all of this stuff. Stress is generally short-lived and related to a temporary project. Burnout is, a, is chronic stress that feels never-ending. It's chronic stress that feels never-ending. I feel like I have no relief. I feel like I have no end in sight. I feel like no one cares about me. I have no fight left in me. I have, I have nothing to give. I'm walking through this life and I feel hopeless. I feel like I've got nothing to give. There's, there's no change. There's no end. It's just kind of one of those things like it's just going to continue to be bad and I don't know what to do with it. Those are the difference. And today what I want to do is I want to kind of pull out and dissect an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah. And if you're familiar with Elijah, you're familiar with how much he struggled. If you're familiar with his story, you know that he stressed out, that he had anxiety, that he dealt with depression, that he dealt with exhaustion, that he actually had suicidal thoughts. And let me set this up for you because in 1 Kings 17 through 19, it actually talks about how the Lord sent Elijah to have a conversation with King Ahab, who was this evil king who did a lot of damage, him and his wife, both, they, 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 were, they were evil, sinful people. And so the Lord sent Elijah to have a conversation with King Ahab. And as he goes to King Ahab, he begins to say, hey, bro, yo, let me just tell you something. That's, that's my, my verbiage, just FYI, it's not in the Bible. But Elijah's rolling up and he's like, hey, man, I'm going to just tell you right now, the Lord has sent me to communicate something to you. I, I, I need you to understand that your sinful ways has caused what I'm about to tell you. That for the next three years, that there's going to be no dew on the ground. There's not going to be any rain coming from the sky because you're such a jerk. But as the Lord sent Elijah to have this conversation with King Ahab, the Lord also told Elijah that after you have this conversation, I need you to go and hide and I need you to go to a different location so that you can be safe. So Elijah has this conversation and he begins to go off. And in that time frame, King Ahab has kind of hunted Elijah. He's sending all these people to find him and he's having all of this stuff going on and all of these things that are happening to Elijah. He's having to fight 850 men, which he destroys. He calls fire down from heaven to destroy some false idols. He's doing all of these things and the Lord provided for him, provided food for him, provided water for him, provided all of these different things. And then one day, King Ahab goes to his wife Jezebel and begins to tell Jezebel all of these different things that just happened. Well, Jezebel was half crazy herself. She had some issues, and those issues had issues. Can I get a hello? <laughs> Jezebel looks at King Ahab, and she says, Hold up! I'm going to tell you something right now. This is not going to end this way. And she actually sends a message to Elijah. She sends a message to Elijah and she says, by this time tomorrow, you will die. By this time tomorrow, I'm sending people out there. They're going to find you and they're going to kill you. So she sends this message. 
Now remember, Elijah experienced nonstop protection from God. 850 people destroys them. Calls fire down from heaven. I wish I had that one. Does all of these different things. Elijah has, has experienced nonstop protection from God. He has all the provision that he needs. He had the water. He had the food. He had, he had God before him and God behind him. I mean, he was taking care of everything in the front and he was cleaning up everything in the back. Like he was surrounded by God. Elijah walked with God. Until one day an irritated woman made a threat. One day an irritated woman made a threat and in one day Elijah begins to fall apart. Listen, we have no evidence. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jezebel sent an army out to kill Elijah. It doesn't say that she sent mercenaries out. It doesn't say that she sent some ninjas out there and be like, yeah, you know, like it doesn't say any of that. But it was, a, it was a very, it was a word that was spoken. It was something that came from uh, someone with the power and the authority to speak a word, to get into somebody's mind, which would then counteract all of the things that him and God had, and it made him freak out. He was afraid. First Kings 19, it says this, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey in the wilderness. Listen, if you have a Bible or you have your phone or you have something or you're writing notes, I want you to circle, I want you to highlight, I want you to underscore, I want you to write in all bold. It says, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. I don't know about y'all. But if somebody told me and I got word that y'all were trying to come and kill me, guess what I wouldn't do? Leave help here and run to the dang desert. You know what I would do? I would say, hey, anybody with a gun, grenades, rocket launchers, Uzis, any of that stuff, I'm going to invite you over for pizza. Come on over. Everybody big, you stand in front of me. I'm not going to try to fight something all alone, but Elijah is saying, man, he's freaking out. He's afraid. And he left his servant there only to flee into the wilderness. Came to a broom bush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. How does our body respond to stress and burnout? How does it respond? It actually responds in three different ways. It responds in the physical. When we are burning out our body, it responds in the physical. We're easily fatigued. We're low in energy. We have difficulty sleeping. We have headaches. We have body muscle pains. And you know what the coping mechanism of this is? Normally the case when we're going through these things, the coping mechanism is alcohol, it's drugs, it's watching things we don't need to be watching, and it's doing things that we need to be doing only to have a feel good for the moment. We cope. 
Why? Because we, we, we have no feeling. We're not feeling anything. Our, our, our emotions, our, our, our physical, our mental, it's just we're checked out and all we want to do is feel something. Which will answer a lot of questions for many of you in this room. Why do you do the things that you do? Because you're living in a burned out life. And you're coping. And you're trying to feel. You're trying to have this, this moment. God, I don't care if it's one minute. I don't care if it's five minutes. I just need something because I want to feel. It attacks our physical. It attacks our mental. Ongoing stress. It puts us in this fight or flight mindset. Loss of memory. It attacks us emotional. Where we have loss of motivation. We have this chronic feeling of self-doubt being feeling like I'm a failure, like I'm alone in life, like I have this miserable life. Gets us to a place where we're disconnected from God and a lot of times we begin to blame God. Similar to where I was. Body was crashing, mind was crashing. Just didn't know what to do. And for months I was like, man, nobody understands. For months I was like, man, nobody will understand. I'm in this all alone. It was just too much. So how do we get there in our life? How do you and I, how do we get to this place of burnout? How do we get to this place in our lives? And I think we make the same mistakes as Elijah made. We make the same mistakes. The first thing that we do is we actually run ourselves into the ground. We run ourselves into the ground. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, what, we, what I was taught, and a lot of us in here is taught, the more you do, the more you have. The harder you work, the better you have. The more you do, the bigger house. The more you do, the bigger cars. The more you do, the more money. The more you do, the better you have. The more you do, the more you have. All of these different things, and for my whole life, this is ingrained in me, and don't get me wrong, I don't believe you should not work. But there is a mindset that happens. The more you do, the more you have. And so what, we're, what happens is, is we begin to run ourselves in the ground because it was something that we were taught and we weren't taught the more you do, the more you have. We weren't taught, okay, work hard, rest hard. We weren't taught, man, work hard, just take a nap. We weren't taught work hard and it's just going to, you know, you got to rest. No, we were taught you work, 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 work. Am I the only one? The more you do, the more you have. And I believe that there's some truth in that. Because the more you do, yes, the more money you can make, the more you do, the business can get bigger, all of these different things. But at the same time, You have to understand the more you work and run yourself in the ground without the proper break, the more stress you have, the more anxiety you have, which in return is a lack of peace. It's a lack of peace. I can't tell you how many times I communicate to somebody and they're telling me, man, Charles, there's just not enough hours in the day. There's just not enough time. I don't have enough time. You wake up at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, and you're already looking at your schedule, and you're just thinking, man, there's just not enough time in the day. I need more day. I need more daylight. I need more time. You have just enough time to do exactly what you need for that day because guess what? The email will always be there the next day. The problem will always be there the next day. 
The job opportunity, it will always be there the next day. The issues that you have to deal with today, guess what? If you just turn your phone over, turn your email off, guess what will be there tomorrow? The same thing. And the problem with that is we're not prioritizing our day the right way. I looked at my cell phone. You know, you can get on your cell phone, and I actually have gotten off of it because of this one thing. You know, if you get onto social media, and you can track how much you're on social media. Anybody ever done that? It's pretty scary. Do you realize that in one day, in one day, I had looked at my phone, and I, I looked at the time. At the end of the day, I looked at the time to see how much I was actually on my phone, just looking and scrolling through social media. You know, it was five hours. Well, that'll kick you. Five hours? Five hours I looked at my phone? Do you realize that in those five hours how much I could have gotten accomplished? I had to make that change really quick. And I'm going to tell you right now, it may not be social media for you, but it's something else. How much are you spending at the gym? How much are you spending, you know, uh, just kind of uh, farting around? Yeah, I said farting around. How much time did you, it just kind of came off the dome. Sorry for all you new folks. <laughs> Prioritize. Write down exactly what you need. Write down what you're trying to accomplish. If you write it down and you actually check it off, you will get to the end of your day realizing, wow, I got a lot accomplished today and I have a whole lot of time left. But we don't do that. We fill our space, we run ourselves in the ground trying to accomplish all of our job stuff, but then now all of our personal stuff. I've got all the activities, I've got ballet, I've got horse riding, I've got football, I've got baseball, I've got soccer, I've got all of these different things. I've got to take care of the house, I've got a stressful situation here. And we try to do it and we run ourselves into the ground. The second thing is this, it's we try to do it all on our own. We try to do it all on our own. First Kings 19, three, it says, when, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there and went on a day's journey into the wilderness. What is, what is this telling us? It's telling us that when Elijah caught wind of what Jezebel was trying to do, he got afraid. He got afraid. And instead of communicating this to his servant, instead of communicating it to, <clears throat> to the very individual that was there to help him, he says, hey, servant, I need you to wait right here. I'll be back. You just wait right here. And I'm going to go on a day's journey by myself into the wilderness. And Elijah, what he's doing is he's carrying all the weight. He's carrying all the fear. He's carrying all the stress from what Jezebel was trying to do to him. And he let no one in to help him through his struggle. Can I tell you that is exactly what you and I do? That is exactly what we do. We go through life carrying it all. We go through life carrying the weight of our family. We go through life carrying the weight of our failures. We go through life carrying all of this stuff and we do not escape from it. We don't escape from it. 
I shared with y'all a couple of months ago, like where I was just, man, I was just struggling. I don't know if you remember this, but I was just struggling. I just felt like I had this weight on me. I, I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I kind of did at the time, but, but I was just like, man, I'm really struggling. I'm about to crack. I have all of this stuff that's happening. I have all of these things that's going on. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm just doing and I'm doing. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself today. Is that all right? And here I am. And here we are. We carry it all. And we don't escape in healthy ways. We don't rest. We don't take a break. We don't communicate with people that can help us because we're embarrassed. We hold it all in because we're afraid of what they'll say. We're embarrassed, we're embarrassed. Can I tell you, and I I need you to understand something so clear today. If you don't think or hear anything else, remember what I'm about to tell you. That in this church, you don't need to be embarrassed. In, in this church, you don't need to be embarrassed at all. Because I'll tell you what will happen. If you come in this church and you begin to say, you know what, Pastor Charles, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z, or you share that with somebody else. And if I catch wind of someone judging you and pointing fingers at you, you know what I'm going to do to them? Ask them to leave. This is an imperfect church. We are imperfect people where everybody's welcome and anything is possible. Because where Jesus is here, guess what? Anything is possible. We're imperfect. Why do we have to be embarrassed? Why is it that I get up here every Sunday and I spill my garbage onto you? Why is it that I come up here and I told you a a few Sundays back where I'm having these mindsets and I'm having these thoughts of wanting to watch something that I shouldn't watch. And I had to go to my wife, scared, And tell her, I don't know why I'm thinking this. I don't know why I'm wanting to watch this. But this is something I'm wanting to watch. I just need you to hold me accountable. Why do I tell you those things? Because if Pastor Charles is imperfect and has issues, I should be safe to tell them my issues. This is an imperfect church. I'm an imperfect person. I'll be the first one to admit that I'm a sinful person. But it doesn't stop me from getting up and doing what it is that God has called and created me to do. And the same goes for you. Your imperfections shouldn't stop you from doing what it is that God called and created you to do. Share your weaknesses. Don't be embarrassed by your weaknesses. You know, the other day I was in this meeting and as I'm sitting in this meeting, it was actually a lunch meeting that went rogue. I'm in this lunch meeting, and as I'm in this lunch meeting, I thought it was going to be about an hour, but that hour turned into three hours. I'm sitting at this table, and I'm having this conversation with these individuals, and I had my phone turned over, which I don't normally do, but I had it turned over at this time, and and man, I am fully locked in. I am 100% engaged in this conversation. And for three hours... I'm talking to these individuals. We finally get up and we finally leave and I flip my phone over only to find out that I had about 800 phone calls from Mariah and Andrew. I look at my text messages and I find out that I have about a thousand of those from Mariah and Andrew. I pick up the phone, I call Mariah. First thing she said, uh, she didn't even say hello. She said, where have you been? 
where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> Sorry. The, I don't know. I call Andrew. Doesn't even say hello. It's the same thing. Bro, I've been worried sick. And I'm looking at this text thread that's going on between me, Andrew, and Mariah. And they're communicating and they're talking about, where's Charles? I don't know. I know he had a meeting at this place. I hadn't heard from him. That's not like him for him not to respond. That's not like him for him not to call a hundred times in five minutes. Come on, that's a cage a minute. If I ever say, hey, I'll call you in a cage a minute, it's like it might be the next second or it might be all day. I'm just saying there's a big buffer there. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. They knew something was off. They knew something wasn't normal. They knew something wasn't really clicking. And so they were communicating to one another to try and figure out a way to find me. I don't know where he is. Did something happen? Something going on? Where did he go? So they're trying to figure out, see a healthy community says that when things aren't right or normal, they begin to search and begin to make a plan to help. That is a healthy community. See, Elijah was never built to do it on his own and neither are we. He was never built to do it on his own. Guess what? You and I are never built to do it on our own. We're not built to carry this life all by ourselves. We're not built to carry the weight of the world. We're not built to carry all the stress and all the anxiety and all the burdens. We're not built to do that by ourselves. We don't have the capacity to do it by ourselves. That's why we should lean on one another. That's why we should communicate to one another is to say this. I am having a hard time right now and I need the help to get through it. It's what we're supposed to do. The third thing is this, is that we dwell on the negative. Come on, we dwell on the negative. How many of you are in this room, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you in this room would say that I focus more on the negative than the positive? The glass is half empty, not half full. I, f I focus on the negative instead of the positive. I say things to myself like, well, man, I guess, I guess I'm just never going to get married. I guess I'm never going to get married. You know, maybe I'm divorced and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to live my life and I'm trying to find a, a husband or a wife again. I guess it's just never going to happen. Or maybe you're single and it's, I'm just never going to find that spouse. Maybe, just maybe, instead of saying I'm never going to get married again, maybe you should maybe kind of change that mindset and say, you know what, God? Thank you for this opportunity that I get to have just with you so that I can strengthen myself, that I can build the character, the integrity on the inside of me, that I can have this time for healing so that the next person or the person that I get united with and married to, I can give them a whole me. I can give them the whole me. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to be able to pay off this student loan. I'm never going to be able to do these things. I'm not going to be able to get it done. It's just, I just, I just want to be happy. We focus on the negative. But I want to tell you something, that in Elijah's darkest moments, in his darkest moments, when he's praying to God, I wish you would kill me. His darkest moments, God came to him. Just like he's coming to you right now. 
In this moment, right now, there are many of you in this room that are going through things mentally. And if you allow him to, he is coming to you. If you allow him to, he can step into those thoughts. He can step into the chaos. He can step into the brokenness. He can step into the fear. He can step into the pain. If you allow him to, he is coming to be with you. And as he was with Elijah, an angel goes, as Elijah's sound asleep, an angel goes and he touches him and says this in, in, verse, uh, in chapter 19, verse 5 through 6. The angel says, he says, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he laid down again. Can I tell you that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest? The most spiritual thing you can do is rest. Listen, eat a donut, take a nap. Can I get an amen? Eat a donut, take a nap. Listen, the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. You have to take a break. But you know what happens when you try to rest? Especially for the individuals in this room that are very work, 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 work. Do you know what happens when you try and rest? In your mind, you begin to have this false guilt. You have this false guilt. I don't need to be, I don't need to be resting. I don't need to be chilling. I don't need to be on the couch. I don't need to be in the bed. I don't need to be at the camp. I don't need to be fishing. I don't need to be hunting. I don't need to be doing any of that stuff because I need to be working. Work, 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 work. Work, 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 work. I don't know. That just came right there. <laughs> Sorry. It's a false guilt we have. A false guilt. Saying you better work because if you don't work, you are a loser. That is what false guilt tells us. If you don't work, you are a loser. If you don't work, you're not a great provider. If you don't work, you're not going to accomplish anything. Again, let me clarify this. The Bible is very clear when it says, if you don't work, you shall not eat. Very clear. I'm not saying that you need to be just this, you know, sit on the couch and play Xbox all day kind of guy or kind of girl. But what I am saying is that you need to understand that you have to take a break. Don't let your mind bully your body. Don't let it bully your body. Some of you just need to take a break. Some of you need to take a day off. Some of you need to take a week off. Some of you need to do absolutely nothing except for some good old-fashioned sleep type of days, nothing else. You need to find some new activities. Find something that is a release for you. Find something that can help you kind of turn off your mindset when all you do is think about work. You need to find something that can fuel you to where you don't have to think about work. Fishing, hunting, golfing. Cutting the grass. Listen, all weekend I was I was able to be outside with a with a buddy of mine, and we were just literally on an excavator and a skid steer. We're grading out a bunch of stuff. We're chopping down trees. Listen, I was having the time of my life. I wasn't thinking about none of y'all. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm taking that tree out, baby. It's the best day ever. Because it was my best day spiritually. Amen. 
You've got to, you've got to find something. Turn your brain off. And the, the other thing that you have to do is you have to have a good God encounter. Man, a God encounter is the only thing that is going to help you and I get through the day. The power of His Holy Spirit. You have to have a God encounter. Listen, after a long journey with Elijah on his way to Mount Horeb, the Lord said to Elijah, he says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. That a great and powerful wind tore through the mountain uh, apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, kind of like earth, wind, and fire. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> after the fire came a gentle whisper. What is this saying? It's saying the Lord wasn't in the wind. What, the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. The Lord was not in the fire. He wasn't in any of that. God wasn't in the extraordinary, but God was in the ordinary. He wasn't in the big bang. He wasn't in all of this loudness. He wasn't in these things that we think he's going to speak to us by. No, no, the Lord was in the whisper. He was in the ordinary. God spoke to Elijah through a whisper. Why? Because God was close to Elijah. Sometimes you and I were looking for this big monumental moment where it's like, okay, I get it. There's a huge sign out there. I totally got it. There's a burning bush out there. I totally see it. God doesn't do that. He, he speaks to us in a whisper. Why? Because God is always with us. The Bible says it, that he is always with us, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He doesn't have to yell like I do. He's in the whisper. He speaks to you in the ordinary moments. He speaks to you in the quiet of the morning. He speaks to you folding laundry. He speaks to you changing a diaper. He speaks to you in the shower. He speaks to you in your car as you're driving to work. He's in the ordinary moments. Maybe there's some of you in here that are overwhelmed by stress. Maybe you're overcome with anxiety. Maybe you're on the edge of burnout. I want to remind you and I want to tell you that God is whispering to you because he is close to you. The band can come on up. You know, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus made an invitation. And he's telling the disciples and he's telling people this. He's asking them these questions. He's beginning to inject something into them. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? What do I mean by that? I mean that a lot of times, if we're not careful, we can actually begin to try and earn rank with God. We can try and do because we think that doing for God actually gets us closer to God, but that is not true at all. We can get so caught up in the doing 
that we actually forget the relationship. We can get so caught up in doing that we actually forget his presence. We can get so caught up in doing that we actually forget that he will never leave us nor forsake us and that he is in the ordinary and he is in the whisper. Are you burnt out? Are you worn out? Are you tired? He says, come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. Get, get, just, just spend some time with me. Just, just get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. You think you got it figured out? Come with me and I'll show you. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Listen, you and I can't force our way into grace. It's given to you. Learn this, this unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You're depressed? Crushed by anxiety? Are you sinking in negativity? Have you been hurt? Have you been betrayed? Have you been abused? Have you experienced heartbreaking trauma? I want you to know something today that there's a promise from God that He loves you unconditionally, that He desires you that he wants that relationship with you, guess what? Mess and all. Sin and all. The ugliness of your life, the hidden closets in your mind, the, 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 the darkness that is captivating you upstairs, guess what? He's not afraid of it. He's not running from it. He's not bothered by it. No, he's actually telling us, hey, you come to me. Bring all your mess. Bring all your problems. Bring all your worries. Bring all your, your issues. Bring it all. I don't care. All I want is the relationship. All I want is the relationship. And do you realize that when we have the relationship with, you, with him and we begin to do what it is that he's telling us to do, are you tired? Are you worn out from the day, from the week, from the trauma, from the years of holding it all in? Or are you burned out on religion? Just come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover. Come on, you'll recover your life. I want you to know Jesus is close. And he's whispering that he loves you and that he's for you. Come on, every head bowed. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your presence and your sweet, sweet spirit. Lord, everything that we have today and everything that we're carrying today, we release it to you. We release it to you. Come on, if you feel comfortable with this real quick, just, just kind of put your hands kind of out and open, just a posture of surrenderance. That's all that means. Just, I'm surrendering. What is it that you're carrying that you need to surrender? What is it that you're carrying that you need to release? It doesn't matter what it is. You just don't want to carry it anymore. So Father, we release that to you.
If you're in here this morning and you say, you know what, Charles, man, can you just pray for me? Because I feel like I'm carrying this, this weight. I feel like I'm carrying all this, this emotion, and I don't want to carry it anymore. From what you're saying, Charles, I can, I can release that to God. I just I want, to, I want to release that to Him. And, and you're here today and you say, man, I, I just need prayer. I need prayer to be able to know that I can release this. And I don't have to be embarrassed by this. I don't have to worry about it any longer. If you're in this room and you say, just pray for me so that I can release the things that I'm carrying. If that's you, just slip up a hand. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Hands everywhere. Father, thank you for the hands. <clears throat> thank you for the hands lifted. Thank you for those that are saying, hey, I, I don't want to carry this any longer. I don't want to hold on to this any longer. But God, you see, you see their struggle. You see the pain. You see the frustration. You see it all. And so God, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would begin to put a comfort, a peace of mind over them right now. Guide them and direct them. I'll never end a service without asking this question. Maybe you're in this room and you say, you know what, Charles, it's, it's hard for me to release that to God because I really don't have that relationship with him. I don't have that relationship. I've never invited him into my heart. I've never, I've never invited him into my life. I've never said, you know what, God, I just, man, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I've never asked him. But today you say, you know what, I want to I ask him into my heart. And it doesn't mean there's anything weird or crazy. It's just basically saying, God, I am in need of you. I'm in need of you. I believe that you died and that you rose again. I believe that you went to the cross for my sins, that I'm in need of you. Or maybe you're in this room and you had a relationship with Christ at one point, but life kind of got the best of you and you started going astray a little bit and you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, man, I'm ready to come back home. I want to come back home to the Father. I want to come back home to His goodness. If you're in here and you say, I'm ready to receive Christ or I'm ready to come back home to Christ, if that's you, just slip up a hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. One, two, three. Father, you see the hands that were lifted. See their heart. You see every single heart in this room, whether they lifted their hands or they didn't. Father, at this moment, we commit our hearts and our lives to you. Everybody repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me for accepting me just as I am. I pray today that as I receive you and commit my heart to you and you receive me, I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. Ooh. Never, never, never. Come on, be the same again in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, amen, amen. Why don't you give God some praise for that? Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. If you've made a decision today to follow Jesus for either the first time or the hundredth time, shoot us an email at info at RevoChurchFL with the subject line, I've decided. And let us know where you're listening from because we want to celebrate with you. Check us out on our socials at RevoChurchFL to stay plugged in with what's happening within our community. And we believe it's going to be your best day ever if it's your best day spiritually.